Sunday, the frail light of a single candle dared to pierce through the darkness of desolation and sin. Hope lives in us and will abide with us. Today we light the candle of peace. This light, too, must break great darkness. Peace is not merely the absence of war and conflict. Peace is the fullness of blessing for all. This is the peace for which we dare to hope. But Christ comes to bring peace to those who have been separated from God and one another. In the name of that child born so long ago, we light the candle of peace. In following Christ's teachings, we nurture our hope for peace even today. Sloan may have something to say, <laughs> as well as Nora. All right, let's see. Welcome to worship today as we celebrate the second Sunday of Advent on a very inclement day, right? You had to intend to get here to get here, and I'm glad that you intended to get here. As we uh, enter this season where a child shall lead them, on this day we have a child helping lead us. This is Nora, Nora Mudd. Hi, everybody. And, uh, and I see that Sloan and Jay and Mom and Dad are here to celebrate this big day, right? Do you know that you were dedicated just like baby uh, Nora is? Do you remember that? You don't. Well, we remember that. And uh, in a moment, I want to introduce uh, Nora to all of our uh, congregation. Would that be all right to do right now? <laughs> that, meant, that meant yes. <laughs> and uh, this is Nora. What is Nora's middle name? Of course it is. Nora Sterling Mudd. And I always miss when Jerry Humphreys is not here on the second row because I would always go to her first and when I would lean down and show her the newborn like Nora... Jerry would say, That's the Swedish baby. <laughs> Liz is a stand-in today for Jerry. <laughs> well done. Well done. But I want you all to meet Nora. This is, uh, this is Nora. This is Mr. Garrett. He's an artist, a cartoonist, and will be helping me preach the sermon on Christmas Eve as he draws pictures that you can see while I'm preaching. Well, that'd be good. Meet these people like Will here. This is Nora. 
He'll show you all about Capitol Hill down there. All sorts of good things. That's Mr. Jerry. He's a bass singer and can tell you all about Sacred Harp. This is Mr. Walter. He can tell you about foot surgery. <laughs> and trying to recover from it. And Tim and Jada get say, this is Nora. Nora probably knows many of you that have already met her, like grandparents, like uncles and aunts and others, and we so welcome Nora to this world and to this church on this day. At this time, I'm going to call on Anna Kate to make a presentation and lead the congregation in reading a reading that is in our hymnals. As it is part of our tradition here, we would like to present Nora with a little tiny New Testament um, to serve as a symbol and a reminder of the church family that loves her so much. Um, we uh, are here to encourage her to be there for her when the hard questions are asked and um, to love her through her growth and um, as her relationship with God um, flourishes. So I know that we will all look forward to watching that happen. Um, so I will present this to you, and then you can give it to her later. And if you would all turn to page 765 in your hymnal, and we will read together the congregational commitment to the muds. In the presence of God, the author and giver of life, we, the body of Christ, in this place, pray for you parents and the great and joyful responsibility God has entrusted to you. As individuals, we pray that as you grow in Christ, you may bear the fruit of wisdom and the godliness day by day. As a church, we promise to fulfill our responsibility to you and your children in teaching, serving, loving them, that from their earliest days of memory, they may see the face of Jesus mirrored in us. We pray this in the name of Jesus, who became a child that we might become the children of God. Amen. Sister, parents, grandparents, uncles, aunts, and church that loves her very much. I want to hand her back to you, Mom, and at this time call on Dr. Karen Massey, who's loved you since you were that tall. Uh, to lead us in a prayer of blessing, but you can go ahead and be seated. And now let us say our prayers together. O oh God, who delights in children, we offer our gratitude for the presence of children among us. For it is children who bring joy and hope to our lives. It is children who bring us laughter and who help us to see the world with wonder and awe. We offer a special thanks today for Nora Mudd. We celebrate her life and the gift that she and her family are to this church. We delight that she is a child created in your image, O oh God, and we look forward to watching her grow in faith and in her relationship with you. May she and her family always know of our love for them. 
In this special season of the year, O oh God, Nora and all our children are reminders of how much you love the little ones. For long ago, a special child was born among us. This child came into a world where people were captive, where injustice was rampant, where some with power oppressed those who had little. O oh, come again, child of peace. Long ago, a special child was born, and he came into a world where people counted their weapons, where they trusted in the might of their armies, where senseless killing seemed the only way to settle differences. Oh, come again, child of peace. Long ago, a special child was born. He came into a world where people were suffering, where disease and poverty threatened life, where pain and grief took their toll. Oh, come again, child of peace. Long ago, a special child was born. He came into a world where differences were feared rather than celebrated, where strangers, outcasts, and foreigners were unwelcome, and where kindness and compassion were hard to find. Oh, come again, child of peace. Long ago, a special child was born, and he came into a world which needed change, which needed hope, which needed good news. And so it is, even with us still today. So come again, child of peace, for we are watching, we are longing, and we are waiting. And while we wait, hear us, O God, as we join our voices to pray the prayer our Lord taught his disciples long ago, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And now a reading from Scripture. The promise of restoration a reading from the book of Isaiah. Comfort, O comfort, my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that she has served her term, that her penalty is paid, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice cries out, In the wilderness prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up, and every mountain and hill be made low. The uneven ground shall become level, and the rough places a plain. Then the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all people shall see it together, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. And a voice says, Cry out! And I said, What shall I cry? All people are grass. Their constancy is like the flower of the field. The grass withers, the flower fades, when the breath of the Lord blows upon it. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. So get you up to a high mountain, O Zion, herald of good tidings. Lift up your voice with strength, O Jerusalem. 
Lift up your voice and hear the good tidings. Do not fear and say to the cities of Judah, Here is your God. See, the Lord God comes with might, and his arm rules for him. His reward is with him, and his recompense before him. He will feed his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms and carry them in his bosom and gently lead the mother's sheep. Here ends the first lesson. Girls and boys, you can join us at the front. and take a seat. And Pastor Daniel will take your offering if you have it today. Jake, you want to come sit next to me? Well, I am so glad to see all of you here, even in all of the snow that we had. Did you all have fun playing? I made snow fort. A snow fort? Oh, that's awesome. Awesome. It sounds like you. Wow. I made a snowball as tall as my house. Oh, my goodness. I went boogie boarding yesterday on the snow. That's awesome. Well, today I want to show you a picture of something. What do you see here? You see a road? Do you see any buildings or houses? Do you think that this would be called the wilderness? Yeah? Well, in our story today, we learn about a man named John who lived in the wilderness. Yeah, that's right. And John, John lived in the wilderness, but people would find him, and he would baptize them. And they were all so happy after, he, after they were baptized by John that other people started finding him. And he even became called John the Baptist because he would baptize all these people. He helped them through the wilderness when they were walking through the wilderness. Sometimes we can feel like we're walking through the wilderness. Maybe not like actually walking through the desert, but sometimes we can feel alone or scared, like we might not have many friends or people there to help us. But... Like John the Baptist reminds us, God is always there for us in the wilderness. God will always help us through it. And God will always be a friend when we need someone. So, in this season of getting ready to welcome baby Jesus into the world, we can remember all of the people who help us get through the wilderness, who help us feel like we have someone to count on, who helps us learn, like our parents or our brothers and sisters, and our, our teachers maybe at school or at church. All of these people can help us remember that we are loved so much by God. Okay? Let's pray. Dear God, I thank you for all of the people in our lives that show us God's love and that help us remember that we are precious children of God. In your name we pray. Amen.
Waiting for God's New Day, a reading from the second letter of Peter, chapter 3. But do not ignore this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like one day. The Lord is not slow about his promise, as some think of slowness, but is patient with you, not wanting any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. But the day of the Lord is also will come like a thief, and then the heavens will pass away with a loud voice, and the elements will be dissolved with fire, and the earth and everything that is done on it will be disclosed. So, since all of these things are to be dissolved in this way, then what sort of persons ought you to be in leading lives of holiness and godliness, waiting for and hastening the coming of the day of God? Because the heavens will be set ablaze and dissolved, and the elements will melt with fire. But... In accordance with God's promise, we wait for new heavens and a new earth where righteousness is right at home. Therefore, beloved, while you are waiting for these things, strive to be found by God at peace, without spot or blemish, and regard the patience of our Lord as salvation. Here ends the second lesson.
the voice and message of John the Baptist, a reading from the Gospel of Mark. The beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, as it is written in the prophet Isaiah. See, I am sending my messenger ahead of you, who will prepare your way, the voice of one crying out in the wilderness, who says, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. John the baptizer appeared in the wilderness, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And people from the whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem were going out to him and were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. Now John was clothed with camel's hair, with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. And he proclaimed, The one who is more powerful than I is coming after me. I am not worthy to stoop down and untie the thong of his sandals. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. The Gospel of the Lord. Well, it's good to be with you this morning and good to be celebrating the dedication of little Nora Mudd and to see fresh life this morning and during Advent and to come from our, our snowy winter wonderlands and braving the weather to be here. It is great to be with you. You know, last Wednesday, a few of us gathered with an interfaith group of Baptists and Jews and uh, we shared a meal together as we do about once a month. And the topic of conversation was what we loved about our holiday traditions. And we were supposed to bring something with us, something tangible, something physical. One of our Jewish friends had a, a menorah that had been her granddaughter's from years ago, and it was, it was great. Each candle holder was a little animal. And, and there was a giraffe in the, the middle of the menorah that was taller than the rest, and that holds the servant candle. It's called the servant candle because... You use that candle to light the other candles in the menorah. And several people brought with them dreidels, and some were wonderfully painted. Some have been collected over the years. We spun them on the table, and uh, the little chocolate candy called gelt that you can win if you play the great game of dreidel. And... We talked and we shared our memories, and, and, and we, we Christians said, well, we've got chocolate, too. We've got these little Advent calendars, you know, and each day there's a little bit of chocolate for the children, so we talked about that. And uh, Don Janney brought a, a Christmas ornament that was special to him, and uh, others uh, brought different things to talk about their Christmas tradition. And uh, I sat there, and it came around time for me, and I said some things about the Advent candle, and I wondered about Christmas, and it, it, it was just a few days away, isn't it? Christmas is just a few days away. Our, our neighbors has got one of those uh, electronic marquees in the front window that has a, a, a literal countdown to Christmas. Every morning I walk outside. Fifteen, it says this morning. Okay? Fifteen days to get ready. 
And I thought about what I was preaching on Sunday. You just heard the gospel read among the people. And that's our Christmas text. John the Baptist. It's my turn to speak. I didn't have chocolate. I didn't have a dreidel. I didn't even bring any ornaments. All I had was this text that I'd been carrying around with me all week. And I thought, how does John the Baptist help us get ready for Christmas? There's no wise men. There's, there's no, no room in the inn. There, there are no angels singing. Mark just drops us right in the middle of the wilderness, in the middle of the desert. And there's this wild man named John. And Mark says at the beginning, he says, the beginning of the good news. And the one delivering the good news is quite an odd fellow, isn't he? He was known as John the Baptizer. He's wearing camel's hair. We're in Bible study this week, and somebody said, do you think they skinned a camel to get that? I said, I don't know, but I bet he looked a little strange. He's wearing leather. I don't know if he's going to a biker bar later or or what he's up to exactly, but he's got camel hair, leather. He's been in the desert so long, I imagine his skin looked like leather, well-worn, textured. And he had this weird diet, too. Wild honey and locusts, Mark tells us he's eating. Honey dripping from his beard. You know, prophets are always eating something weird. Have you noticed that? (laughs) Ezekiel, he he ate a scroll one time. A scroll. Doesn't sound good. He, He wrote a little review about what it tasted like. He said, he said it tasted like honey. And John, writing in Revelation, said that an angel gave him a scroll and said, hey, eat that. Rough translation. (laughs) And it was sweet as honey in his mouth. I've decided I'm going to keep a jar of honey in my office so that people will start thinking I'm a prophet. (laughs) And this John the Baptist, he's wandering around in the wilderness preaching. And Mark says it's a, a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. What do you think he meant by that? You know, Mark doesn't tell us exactly, but some folks asked John that question once in the Gospel of Luke. And you know, John the Baptist didn't really beat around the bush about it. He just came right out and said, he said, if you got two coats, you need to share with those who don't have any coats. He said, if you got a lot of food, share with those who don't have any food. John the Baptist was preaching a message for the poor, it sounds like to me. Those with all the resources have to share with those who don't have any. There's no trickle-down economics in that sermon. And that may not sound like good news to folks. They've worked hard for their money. they pulled themselves up by their bootstraps. Isn't that what we say in America? And now they're told, you've got to share your resources. Mark says that the baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins is the beginning of good news. And word must have gotten out in Jerusalem and Judea about this wild-eyed prophet named John. I think folks were starting to talk to each other. Do you hear about that prophet out in the desert? I heard he's offering baptisms to people. They'd say, yeah, baptisms, what for? Well, they say if you get baptized that you get all your sins forgiven. All of our sins, they'd say. And so Mark tells us that the whole Judean countryside and all of the city of Jerusalem, they came out to see John the Baptist. 
Now stop and think about that for a moment. There must have been thousands of people. The Roman historian Tacitus said there were 600,000 living in Jerusalem at the time of the destruction of the temple around the year 70. And so maybe Mark is exaggerating just a teeny tiny bit. But, but imagine for a moment that there are, there are hundreds or even thousands of people that are lining up on the banks of the Jordan River. That must have been quite a scene. And John is out there in the river. He, he, maybe he's by himself. He's, he's baptizing each person. And that's a workout. You know, it's not easy doing that one time in a river, but imagine doing that hundreds of times. He'd have to take a lot of breaks for locusts and honey to get energy for that. And Mark tells us that they were all doing this other thing, this extraordinary thing. He says, as they were lined up, they were confessing their sins. One after another, they confessed their sins. Who might you see in that line? What what do you think they were saying? Imagine with me, here comes a tax collector. He's got a kind of sheepish look on his face. He says, I charged this poor guy more than was owed. And, and preacher, I passed him about a mile back. He was begging for money. He had a tin cup out asking for money. And I overcharged him. There's a woman wading out in the water, and she says, I, I can't stand this neighbor I've got. Lives next to me. I, I've been pulling up his crops when he's not looking. One after another, they come, they confess their sins. What a thing to do to confess our sins to each other. There's a lot of confessing going on in that river, a lot of confessing going on, and there's some confessing going on now. Did you see Time Magazine's Person of the Year this week? I heard some politician thought it was going to be him, but it wasn't. It was the silence breakers. Hashtag Me Too movement. Those brave women who broke the silence on the stories of their abuse and spoke up. And you know, things are so turned upside down that it's the victims who are confessing. Confessing to the pain they felt, confessing to the trauma of their abuse. And the abusers aren't doing much confessing. They're qualifying and nuancing and, and in many cases, outright denying the claims. The abusers aren't lined up on the Jordan trying to confess their sins, so the victims are showing them how it works. People are lined up. They tell John the worst thing they've ever done, and they leave it behind in the river. I wonder what that was like, seeing all those people lined up. I bet it inspired a lot of people to change their life. It reminded me of a movie that I love dearly, in this movie, there, there are these three escaped convicts. Maybe you've seen this movie, Ulysses, Pete, and Delmar. I hear the choir saying amen behind me. <laughs> there they are out in the woods evading capture and arrest, and, and Ulysses and Pete, they're about to get in a fistfight about something, and all of a sudden, a bunch of people in white robes materialize in the woods. And they're walking forward. They're headed down to the river for baptism. They're singing an old hymn. You know that hymn? As I went down to the river to pray, studying about that good old way. I told James I'd do that so I'd never have to practice for choir. 
they sing that song. They go down to the river, and Delmar gets this wild look in his eye. He wants to get baptized. And he's not the brightest one in the group, so he, he rushes out in the water. He, he cuts the line in front of everybody else, and he holds out his hands to get baptized. And he gets baptized right there. He comes out of the water. He goes to his friends. He says, well, that's it, boys. I've been redeemed. The preacher's done washed away all my sins and transgressions. It's the straight and narrow from here on out, and heaven everlasting's my reward. And Ulysses says, Delmar, what are you talking about? We got bigger fish to fry. Delmar says, the preacher says, all my sins are washed away, including that piggly wiggly I knocked over in Yazoo. Ulysses says, I thought you were innocent of all those charges. And he says, well, I was lying. And the preacher said, well, that sin's been washed away too. Neither God nor man's got nothing on me now. Come on in, boys. The water's fine. <laughs> in a later scene, they're arguing about baptism, and Delmar insists all his sins have been washed away. And Ulysses says, Baptism? You two are just dumber than a bag of hammers. I don't know what Delmar did next. I don't even know if he knew what had happened to him, but he'd been baptized. Make no mistake about that. He remembered his baptism. I remember my baptism, too. I can't get it out of my head. I was older than most who get baptized in our tradition. I was 30. I'd resisted it my whole adult life. I, I wanted to understand it. Truth is, I wanted to understand it, but I, I couldn't understand it. I heard the preacher explain it, and I, I nodded, but I didn't get it. I wanted it to be once and for all. You know what I mean? A clean break with the past. Completely new life. You know, they say your sins are washed away. And how long do you think it took me to sin again after my baptism? I remember coming up out of the water. I dried off in that side room they had. I, I wondered, I started thinking what people are going to say to me. Will they compliment me on my decision? That's normal. That's human. But it didn't take long to see that I was still human after my baptism. Standing there in the baptismal water, the preacher asked me a question. Maybe you were asked a question when you were baptized. He just asked me one question. He said, Daniel, what is your confession? And it took me a long time to confess. I reckon it'll take my whole life to confess. There's always something new to confess, isn't there? But the story had just begun, so I had to confess one thing right then and there. That's all I had to do, just confess one thing. And I said to the preacher and to the congregation, I said, Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. I didn't understand it. How could I? I, I didn't fully appreciate it at that moment. How could I? I? I didn't know that in four years it would mean I'd leave a law practice and, and go to seminary. How could I? I didn't know that in, in about eight years I'd be called to be here with you good people. How could I? Well, I think that's why Mark says at the beginning of his gospel, it's the beginning of the good news. 
The beginning of the good news for Mark starts with baptism and a confession of sin. It is not the only shot you get. It's not the end of the story. It is merely the beginning. I remember my baptism, and I think John the Baptist did too. He's, he's there on the banks of the Jordan River. He's washed up. He's worn out. He has finished baptizing all these thousands of people, hearing each of their confessions, and I imagine he's exhausted. He's, he's physically and spiritually and mentally depleted. The crowds have gone home. They've dried their clothes, prepared supper, tucked their kids in for bed. And there's John. He crawls back to the shore, and he's talking to himself. And he says, I can't do this anymore, God. There's one greater than me who's coming next. I'm not even worthy to stoop down and untie his sandals. I don't think I'm cut out for this prophet stuff anymore. All I've got is water, but the one who's coming after me, well, he's got the Holy Spirit. It's like John understood after going through the ordeal of mass confession and baptism that repentance for the forgiveness of sins is not the whole story. Water may wash away symbolically our past transgression, but what happens after baptism? How are we going to live? Is there anything left to do? Any, anyone left to wait for? And I think John was preparing for the arrival of one more powerful than he. He was filled with holy anticipation. Against all odds, just as we do during Advent, against all odds, he lit all the candles of peace, hope, joy, love. And there was only one more candle to light, that sinner candle, the Christ candle. And do you know what happened to John? He, he was lying there, I imagine, exhausted. And in the very next verse of Mark, it says, In those days Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee, and he was baptized by John in the Jordan. And just as he was coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens torn apart and the Spirit descending like a dove. John was waiting for Jesus. He didn't have to wait long. Jesus showed up. It was like Jesus had leaned over and whispered in his ear, have you got, John, have you got energy? Have you got energy for one more baptism? He realized baptism was just the beginning of the story. There was more to be written and Jesus showed up. That was who John was waiting for. Jesus was the one the whole world had been waiting for. And there are 15 days left until Christmas, if my neighbor's marquee is right. How do we get ready? Well, let's remember our baptism together. Let's say our confession again. Let's fill ourselves with holy anticipation. That's the way to get started. That's the beginning, the beginning of the good news. Amen. Amen.
Well, as is our custom, at this time of the service, we'll sing a hymn. We'll sing a hymn, 136, a hymn of dedication. Whenever a word is offered, we give an opportunity for the people of God to respond. Hymn 136, On Jordan's Bank, The Baptist Cry. And as we sing, please stand. Well, what an Advent surprise and miracle today. I'm so excited um, to introduce uh, two new members who have come uh, forward for membership this morning. I want to start first with Allison Rowland. Uh, Allison's standing right next to me. Um, Allison um, has been coming to Northside Drive Baptist Church for about a year and has been an active member of our young adult ministry and we're so excited um, that you have decided to join us, Allison. Uh, Allison, I'll tell you a little bit about her, works for the city of Atlanta. Um, she is originally from Rome, Georgia, and she has degrees from uh, Georgia State University and Michigan University, her most recent degree from Michigan in grad school. She came back to work in the city of Atlanta, 
And uh, her father actually is a Northside Drive Baptist connection. Her, her father, David Rowland, is the campus minister for Shorter University, and they know Larry McSwain and Steve Sheely. And so what a great connection that is. Uh, Allison has come forward um, to become uh, asking to be a member of this church, uh, and she will join us by transfer of letter from First Baptist Church, Athens. And then I'd like to introduce you to Shannon Ghosh. Shannon Ghosh, um, originally from Fort Lauderdale, is that right, Fleur? Oh, I'm sorry, my geography of Florida is a little suspect. From Gainesville, Florida, uh, Shannon, married to Sanjay uh, Ghosh, has uh, three children. You saw a couple of them up here this morning uh, during the time with children. Um, they are uh, um, friends with Geneva Shelton. And her children, Geneve, uh, Genevieve, rather, is 19 months old, down in our nursery now. Oliver, um, who is five years old, is a member of the Northside Drive Baptist Church Preschool. And Annabelle, her oldest, who's seven years old, went through Northside Drive Baptist Church Preschool as well. So she's had, uh, the family's had a long history here. Um, you are an attorney, in-house counsel with a, a, a local uh, Atlanta company, and you've come forward uh, to become a member of Northside Drive Baptist Church. And as is our tradition, if you'll simply raise your hand and say welcome to both Allison and Shannon. Raise your hand and say welcome. Okay. Thank you so much. Uh, this is Sid Janney, and Sid will be standing with you at the end of the service um, in the narthex where we invite all of you to come up and say hi to Allison and to Shannon to welcome them into uh, the body of Christ here at Northside Drive Baptist Church. We rejoice with you. We're so glad you're here, and we look forward to journeying together with you. Amen? All right. And I bring a few announcements uh, this morning, uh, in addition to this very welcome and good news of our new members. Um, we have a few announcements. Uh, Triple E will be on Tuesday. If you haven't made a reservation yet, would you please uh, get in touch with Barbara Ashley, who can handle that for you. The Habitat for Humanity final workday and dedication was scheduled for yesterday, and because of the weather, uh, it was rescheduled to next Saturday. December 16th. Uh, we still need volunteers to work, and all are invited to the dedication that will be at 1 p.m. Items for the Christmas giving are, are due today, um, and I've noticed there are a lot of uh, gifts that have arrived today. Thank you for those who have participated. If you were delayed in shopping for any reason, the weather, what have you, um, you, you still have time, and uh, Barbara actually wanted you to know she can actually come and, and pick up some of those gifts depending on where you live. Um, our Christmas cookie decorating was scheduled for yesterday for the children. Of course, we canceled that because of the weather. Just wanted to say to the parents that you're encouraged to make cookies with your kids and still deliver to the folks who are on the list. An announcement this morning. Uh, William and Hannah High's daughter was born on December 5th, Josephine Ledgerton High in Boston, Massachusetts. We celebrate the birth of Josephine this morning. We hope you can join us for um, 
our, our many Christmas Eve services will have uh, one at traditional time of 11 o'clock, then a family Vespers service at 4 p.m., uh, very family-friendly, where there'll be uh, a pageant and children reading scripture, and, and then, of course, the traditional candlelight service at 10.30 p.m. that evening. Our prayers are with all those in, throughout the city of Atlanta and throughout the weather-affected areas who are without power now and who may be experiencing difficulties. And we pray, as this is the Sunday where we light the peace candle, we pray against all odds for peace on earth. Let's continue the worship of God by the giving of our tithes and offerings with music from our handbell choir.
you thanks for these gifts that are offered in the name of Jesus for your kingdom. We take them as symbols, but may you convert them to divine work for your kingdom. On this Advent morning of peace, we pray that we could be enveloped by the Holy Spirit, that we could go forth from this place with peace in our hearts, beginning again with good news. In Christ's name, amen. Now to him who by the power at work within us is able to accomplish abundantly far more than we could ever ask or imagine, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus for all generations. Amen.